Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technologies, ATRA, Sustainable Agriculture Program, with support from the USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service. Hi, I'm Heather Lingle with NCAT. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode is the first in an occasional series from Rocky L. Woods, director of NCAT's Gulf States Regional Office in Jackson, Mississippi, and Bill Evans, director of horticulture at Up and Farms Food Hub in Jackson. This series is all about starting a farm. Today's conversation is focused on how many acres are needed and what crops to choose. Let's listen. Hello, my name is Rocky Woods, and I'm with the National Center for Appropriate Technology. And I have along with me here today... Hi, I'm Bill Evans, and I'm the Director of Horticulture with the Up and Farms Food Hub here in Jackson, Mississippi. So today we want to talk about, you know, in recent events, we've had an outbreak of COVID-19. And so we've been getting a lot of calls, you know, people asking about how can they start farms. So... One of the things we want to talk about is and it's very interesting that, you know, we get calls at this particular time because, you know, we've had the grocery stores to, um, you know, run out of supplies. Right now, we're, people are thinking about food shortages and things like that. So a lot of people are considering starting their own farm. So in that process, we, we thought about doing this podcast of, you know, so you want to start your own farm. So, Dr. Evans, yeah. tell me, have you ever had your own farm? Uh, sort of, sort of not. I, I help out with some other farmers. I help out with uh, a large urban farm here in Jackson called Footprint Farms. I've grown a couple of crops in my own. I've got some blueberries down in Terry that are mine, but I cooperate with other farms. I really don't have my own, but I've been growing vegetables for 35 years now, something like that. Okay. It's been a long time. Yeah, likewise myself. I mean, I've, I've had my own farm, but not my own vegetable farm. I, I basically farmed a lot of commodity crops like uh, soybean. And um, that's basically all. I've, I've, well, I've managed other crops. In previous jobs, I was a um, coordinator for an off-campus demonstration farm and uh, incubator farm and different types of farms I've managed. But just never had my own vegetable farm. I grew up on a family farm that grew my grand, both grandparents and had large, they called them truck patches then. Yeah, yep. So yep. <laughs> I've worked at a truck crops research center and a muck crops research center. Muck is drained swamp soils that they grow salad crops on. And truck crops are exactly what you said. They're the kinds that outside the, sold on the side of the road out the back of a pickup truck. And that's, that's right. That's what people think about that. But I've never had to, I guess I've never had to pay my mortgage or anything like that. Or I've never had to earn money from growing vegetables. I earned my money doing research on vegetables and sharing knowledge about vegetables. But there's a lot of people right now that are thinking, one, I need to grow some vegetables so that I have more food security in my house. Or two, well, I don't have a job. My job might not come back. Maybe I can make some money growing some vegetables. So it's interesting that we we talked just before this whole virus thing came down about doing this podcast. And it's become very timely now because we both get all these questions from folks. How do I start? What do I do? Can I do it? What do I need? So, so, so when we think about, you know, we get these calls and a lot of some of the questions when someone say, hey, I want to start a farm, you know, what's the very first thing you would tell them? Well, I, I might ask them why they want to start a farm, and then I might ask them what experience they have that would help them if they started a farm. Okay. So I might, I, I might ask them, you know, 
Are you a gardener now? Are you a farmer now? Did you grow up on a farm? Do you have any business skills? Um, do you have any land? Why do you want to do it? What kind of stuff do you want to grow? All that kind of stuff. And I would walk them through that. We're going to walk through some of that here over the course of the next few minutes, too. Yeah. So let's look at um, uh, when people call and ask and say they want to start a farm. Let's look at this very first question that I generally post to them. Well, what do you want to grow? Yeah, that's a very legitimate question. What do you want? Do you want to have an animal farm? Which we're not going to talk about here today because I just don't have the skill set. Um, but vegetable farm, what do you want to grow? Do you want to grow tomato crop to sell at the local farmer's market? Do you want to grow watermelons to sell out of the back of your pickup truck on the side of the road? Do you want to grow watermelons to sell into um, into a big box grocery store and sell hundreds of thousands of, of dollars worth of crops? Chances are they're not going to answer it that way, but... Right. But you know, why do they want you know what do they want to grow? That's a great question. So so let's just say I'm I'm just a guy. I've been watching the news and I everything is beginning to look all doom and gloom to me. And I call you and I say, Hey, I want to start a farm. I don't know what I want to grow. Is there a particular place my garden my uh, farm should be located? And I just want to grow vegetables. I don't want to do animals. I want to grow veggies, things that I can eat and consume at a you know fair amount of time. I'd, I'd want to find out what kind of land they have. Do they have a small amount of land, like a backyard of a of a urban or suburban house where it's only a quarter acre or less, or maybe up to an acre or two? Or do they have a small mini farm where it's you know, three to ten acres? Or do they have access to even more land than that? So I'd want to know that. I'd want to know a little bit about their soil, if they could tell me anything about that, whether it's a fine soil with lots of clay in it that grows one kind of vegetable well, Whereas the sandy soil grows different kinds of things. And the slope has a lot to do with it. And whether it's cleared or not, a lot of folks will call me now and they'll say, I want to start a vegetable farm. Uh, and then I'll ask them and they'll say, well, I've got a quarter acre around the house that's cleared. And then I've got 20 acres of, of timber. Well, clearing 20 acres of timber is really expensive. Trees are not worth much money right now. Occasionally, a, a couple of big trees will be worth some money, but you're going to have to end up paying money to get the trees cleared and get the stumps removed before you can start that. But if you've got a clear patch of ground of any sort, then we can start thinking about how we want to grow that into a farm. Okay. Well, what if I said, what if they said they had like maybe a half acre and they wanted to grow a very simple and easy crop, something that's easy to maintain, something that's easy for harvest? Uh, without put without implementing a lot of labor, what crop would you suggest for them? Well, if if they had a half acre of cleared land that was ready to go or near ready to go, then things like beans and peas are really quite easy. Here in the South, we grow a lot of uh, southern peas, black eye peas and purple hall peas, pink eye purple hall peas. They're very easy to grow. They only take about 60 days from the day you put them in the ground to the day you harvest them. There's very few significant pests on them, and in a small patch situation, you wouldn't worry much about them at all. Um, there's some watering, and in a in a startup situation, you're going to have to do some hand hoeing or maybe some some uh, some herbicides. But you don't even have to use any herbicides if you want to go out there on a half acre and just bring a glass of tea out with you in the evening and 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 uh, and and hoe around it. You can do that. Some other easy crops, um, the direct sowing greens mustard, turnip, collard, and even kale. Those can be fairly easy to start up. You get into something like tomatoes and stuff, and they can be easier or very hard, but they're also on a commercial scale. When you're starting to, you know, talk about a half acre of them, to do those right, you're going to, you know, you're going to spend 
several hundred dollars getting that crop in the ground because the seed alone is 15 cents a piece. Okay. So let me ask you this. Is that, is the startup capital expensive? Like you said, for peas and, and beans? Um, not for peas and beans. You can, you can start a patch of peas. Well, let's, and, and I, when I say peas today, let's be clear that it's Southern peas I'm talking about. I'm not talking about English peas. You know, the green peas that are grown up North mostly. Uh, but for Southern peas, for the Vignas, the genus of it, under $500, including all the fertilizer and the seed, to plant a, to plant an acre, somewhere right around there. If you've got a little push planter that you could do that half acre with that we talked about earlier, we'll stick to the half acre. Okay. Be two or three hundred dollars in startup costs. Okay. So, and the purchase of a push planter because remember we we said we this person that yeah you would you would need to go and spend you know they have a very simple push planter that's out there it costs about one hundred and ten dollars. It's not going to last a million years doing um, doing commercial work. But it'll serve you well for a few seasons and uh, and get you off to the races until you can reinvest into your farm. Right. And we'll talk about equipment and um, capital at another topic. Yeah, that's a good idea. Forward. So when starting this, this garden, I mean, can farmers expect or the client or beginner farmer, can they expect a good return the first year? Or is it something that they could, you know, generally start to pay a mortgage, as we talked about earlier in the beginning? Or... It, will it pay a bill with a half an acre? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, so I talked about a couple of easy crops a few minutes ago, the, the peas and the beans and the greens. Those don't make a lot of money. They're easy to grow, but they, you know, you'll, you'll clear a few thousand dollars maybe. But if you're willing to get into things like lettuces and the tomatoes and the peppers that we talked about, maybe some cantaloupes and some other stuff, and you can bring a mixture to, say, a farmer's market, suddenly that half acre... If you really work it hard, and meaning you don't leave the land empty, you plan on succession cropping, which means putting another crop in afterwards and all that stuff. And we're going to talk about that in later podcasts. Even in your first year, you could make a few thousand dollars off of that half acre. And uh, and then you can reinvest some of that or have some money for for, uh, for holiday gifts. Or it's, not, it's not going to be a mortgage payer. A half acre is really hard to pay a mortgage off of. Okay. You could actually do it with cut flowers. If you were solely cut flowers... In an urban area, you could actually grow enough cut flowers on a half acre to actually pay a mortgage if you're really good at it. Uh, but we stuck to vegetables today, so we'll stick to vegetables. Okay. So a few hundred dollars that first time on an easy crop, and then you can balloon that out to a few thousand dollars uh, the second or third year that you could do consistently every year. Okay. So so we said we, we, we would start with, with vegetables as an easy crop and then... 60 days later, I'm harvesting. So that half acre. Will I need any any additional labor on that half acre? If you're managing a vegetable patch with a few small pieces of tillage equipment, you can do a, an acre or two, maybe two and a half, depending on what you got. That's generally what it takes one person. That's about their limit. So that half acre, you should be able to harvest that yourself. You may not harvest it all in one day. It sounds like a lot to someone who's not farmed. It doesn't sound like a lot to someone who has farmed. But those peas, that would be... Let me think a minute here. Let's see. If we've got three feet apart, and we've got a half acre, that's 22,000 square feet, roughly, and a half... Maybe you're looking at seven or 8,000 feet of row to pick. So that's a pretty good chunk of stuff. But you could harvest a... Several tens of feet or a couple hundred feet an hour, 
And so you could get through it in, in, a, in a couple, three days if you were dedicated to just that. Uh, but if you had a half acre of peas and you were just selling them yourselves, maybe you plant it over four different weeks. Maybe you plant an eighth of an acre every week for four weeks. And that still gets you 10 or 15 bushels of peas every week for the whole summer to harvest off of that area. And then you can put, um, I talked about succession cropping. So when that first patch of peas comes off, maybe you are ready to go in with lima beans after that. Or maybe you do some something else. Maybe you go in with a late crop of tomatoes or a late crop of peppers that can go and tolerate the summer heat and then come off in the fall as a harvestable crop. Well, let me ask you this. Do, do peas pull a lot from the soil? Is it good to to go behind peas with another pea crop or... Should we go with a... That's um, a good question. I did say go in with, an, with a bean after a bean after peas. That's not the best strategy. We like to mix between families. That's called rotation. Right. There's, there's three or four main vegetable families and then the miscellaneous. And this might be a little much for this first podcast, but they're generally the pea and, the pea and bean family. Mm-hmm. That's the peas, the lima beans, uh, English peas, uh, butter cow bean. peas, butter beans, all that stuff, green beans, all that stuff is the pea and bee family. Then there's the cucumber and melon family, and that's all your cucumbers, your squashes, watermelons, cantaloupes, uh, all the vining crops. Squ- uh, winter squash, like acorn squash and butternut squash. Pumpkins are in that family. So that's two. Then there's the broccoli and cabbage family. That's all the all the southern greens, the mustard, turnip, collard, the brassicas. Plus all the broccoli, cabbage, kohlrabi, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, all those things with those waxy-ish leaves. Those are all in that family, that brassica family. And then we have the tomato and pepper family. That's tomatoes, all the peppers, hot and hot and mild, and bell peppers, as well as uh, what we call down here in the south, Irish potatoes, uh, just because of the famine reference, even though they're from Peru. But, you know, those white potatoes, the Idaho-style and, you know, and the Great Lakes-style potatoes that we all know and love for making mashed potatoes and, and uh, french fries. Then all the other crops I lump into a fifth group called the miscellaneous crops. That's lettuce, that's beets, that's carrots, that's sweet potatoes, that's sweet corn, that's, and all of those. Most of the Asian greens, by the way, are in that brassica family. The tot soy and bok choy, um, mizuna, all of those things are actually in the brassica family. So we lump those over in that greens family that we talked about a few minutes ago, not into this miscellaneous. The only one that's not in the miscellaneous would be leaf lettuce, true lettuce. Okay. Because that's actually in the that's actually in the sunflower family, believe it or not. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that. So starting a farm can we we could make it as easy as we want to or as difficult as we yeah i, I just get. got i just no pun intended i just got in the weeds a little yeah, bit on, yeah, on botany think, there for yeah, me yeah, i think you did so just muddy the waters for me you know? <laughs> so but but taking it back to what we were talking about a minute ago i think you're right about that rock let's take it back to where we were a minute ago and remind folks they just need to what do they want to grow what gets them out of bed in the morning is going to get them out to tend the farm start with that then think about maybe what the market, and we're going to talk about more of this later too. Think about how they want to sell it. Do they want to sell direct? Do they want to sell to chefs? Do they want to grow odd crops? You know, do they want to grow just one crop? You can grow one crop, or you can grow fifty crops. It just depends on where you want to go with it. Um, do you want to just grow part of the year? I mean, you could just plant that one patch of peas and be done with it the rest of the year, and not do anything. You don't have to do the whole year on this. 
Um, so there's lots of things to think about. You got to think about your land, and you got to think about what you want to grow, and and you you do have to think a bit about how you're going to sell it. Uh, there's just a lot to. There is a lot to think about, but I don't want to overcomplicate it for the folks listening. Right. And then, you know, labor is also another thing. Is it just going to be you? Is it going to be your family? Are you going to try to hire someone to help you? Or are you going to, um, if you're growing just to grow for yourself or, you, or your neighbor or your community, are you going to, um, how are you going to get that buy-in for the community to come in to assist you? Uh, that could be uh, another um, good aspect of getting labor out there. Yeah, they have things called pick your own farms, where where you you invite people to to come and pick on your farm. That's common in strawberries in the, in the northern states. Um, I, there are some tomato growers down here that use that system, especially at the end of their crop, where they've taken off their the crop they're going to sell either into grocery stores or into um, restaurants and stuff, and then they let the community come in toward the end of the crop and harvest the rest of it for relatively inexpensive and that gets the community some inexpensive food but labor is a big issue you can't grow beyond your labor source in this business you just can't great yeah i know one of the things that we did uh, when i was managing that demonstration farm is when um when when purple hull peas would be ready we would have people to come out and pick on the half mm-hmm. and then we also there use we that that half method to also balance our record keeping system so if someone went out and picked eight bushels, you know, they kept four, and they gave us four. The four we kept, we sold it, and used that as money that we that we would pay labor to go out there and um, to harvest the um, vegetables. So that was like a a profit, but at the same time, we used it towards, that's how much it would cost us if we had to hire labor. And make sure you have your record-keeping system based upon how you're going to, employ labor or how you're going to pay labor if you decide to start farming so labor is one of the the key issues because once the crop is ready it has to come out of the field you can't just let it sit there yeah Yeah. and that goes back to something i tell a lot of growers that call me or prospective growers that call me i would much rather someone we talked about that theoretical half acre farm a minute ago i'd much rather someone come in and manage a half acre really well than to overextend themselves because planting is so exciting. Planting, we all love it. We all love, you know, it's warm enough, the soil dries out enough, we run out and we plow up and get you know, till up and get ready, I don't know, five acres. And we go and plant it all. And then three weeks later, the weeds come in or it gets hot or then, heaven forbid, we're, we're two months later and we're starting to harvest and we don't have enough labor to harvest, I would much rather someone come in and do a half acre really well and well thought out to get their feet wet in this business and uh, and go from there, or even a quarter acre, or even just a few pots on the patio. Just, uh, you know, because you can grow herbs on the patio and then start selling herbs at the farmer's market. You don't necessarily even have to have ground for this. We've talked a lot about having ground, but uh, someone who's just got a little house and, and, a, and a, a couple of, you know, patches on the patio they could put some well-placed container gardens out there and uh and have a nice little business going just for part-time stuff at a farmer's market but less is more when you're starting out in terms of land commit to doing really well on less land so you don't overextend yourself so we go back to the question again so do you want to start a farm we hope so we hope so and uh we look forward to helping everyone 
uh, with the rest of this series. This is the first in this series. We have uh, several more of these podcasts on starting a starting up a farm uh, coming up, and uh, it'll be good. See you all next time. All right. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Rakia Woods. And I'm Bill Evans. Thank you for listening to ATRA, Voices from the Field. Please share this podcast if you can and take a moment to leave a comment. This really helps us get the word out about our great sustainable agriculture programs. And check out all of our sustainable agriculture resources at the ATRA website, www.ncat.org. The links are in the notes that accompany this podcast. We'll catch you next week. And until then, keep on farming.